Today's scripture is taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 24. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice that your names are registered in heaven. At that time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit, and he said, O oh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever, and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father. And no one truly knows the father except the son. And to those whom the son chooses to reveal him. Then when they were alone, he turned to his disciples and said, Blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. I tell you, many prophets and kings long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. I want you to consider a time, maybe you can just do a quick rewind and think of a time in your life where you were in an experience and you heard something like, Oh, if you think that's good, wait until you see what we get to do tomorrow, right? Or if you think that's beautiful, wait until we get to the top of this mountain over here. Um, or in the, uh, you know, in the words of the famous uh, theologians, Bachman Turner Overdrive, uh, you ain't seen nothing yet. You know, you think, you think that's good, wait and you see what's coming. Isaiah said it, and Paul quoted Isaiah saying, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. Uh, it's there's this piece of discipleship of following Jesus where we think we have reached a pinnacle. We think we've reached this this huge moment, and then we realize, oh, there it goes even deeper than that. The rabbit hole goes on down further. There's there's more to discover. The well is deeper, right? The water is fresher, and we've got some time. We've got some space. The spiritual life is one of discovery. It's one of revelation. Uh, it's one of, you know, consistently moving forward. You go deeper and deeper, you get stronger and stronger. And we never, thanks be to God, never exhaust 
the well, that is the knowledge and the understanding of God. And so when Jesus is leading the disciples, uh, we're in this series called On the Road with Jesus, and we're looking at these moments as Jesus is literally on the road uh, from Jericho to Jerusalem, and he's stopping along the way to teach and to illustrate things, to send his disciples out, to teach them by sending them, by developing them. And we get to kind of pick up on some of these stories, some of these parables. And so we're going to talk about that over the next couple of weeks, some of these big themes. And so Jesus is leading his disciples along the way. And as part of this, and we'll talk about this next week, uh, he sends out this group and he sends them out in pairs, and he sends them out to do all the things that Jesus has been doing. Jesus said, you've been with me, and I've been healing people. I've been uh, sharing hope with people, and now it's your turn to do that. And so they go out, and you know, they must have been timid. They didn't feel like the people who were equipped to do ministry, they weren't the brightest of the bright. They weren't the ones that were the elders in the community. They, they were fishermen. They were laborers. They were common people. And so Jesus has gathered them together. He's called them to follow, and now he's sending them out. And so he sends them out on this mission, and they return from the mission. Now, you think about all the missions that you've been sent by God on and the ways that we sometimes return. Usually we're tired, uh, but usually when we take a minute to rest and kind of debrief, we begin to see these moments of joy, and we begin to say, oh, my gosh, do you remember that moment when we were at camp and we had that one kid, and he just drove us crazy all week. You know, we were out there, and he just wanted to go home every night, and da-da-da-da-da. And then the last day, you know, he tells us, like, I've never experienced anything this great in my life. You know, or they have these moments and you go, okay, all right, well, forgive my complaining, Lord, that was all worth it for that one, that moment for that kid. And then there's, of course, many of these moments that we'll never hear, hear uh, until we get to heaven. You'll never have a chance to really understand how meaningful some of these moments were just as we remember moments in our lives. And maybe sometimes those people aren't even around anymore for us to thank, uh, to help appreciate the things that we've been through. And so, these disciples, as they return, they're, they are full of joy, and their, their discovery cups are running over. Their revelation, they've, they've seen things that they didn't expect to see. They've experienced things they didn't expect. And uh, Luke uses this word joy and rejoice just over and over again. He repeats it, and we get the sense that, it, that something is happening here that is a joyful experience. The disciples' joy, then we see in a minute that Jesus' joy meets their joy, and there's this whole festival of joy. And so as they're overflowing with discovery and they're excited, uh, Jesus kind of leans in and says, okay, guys, this is wonderful. We're just getting started. This is good. But here's, let's go on to the next thing. And so when they talk about joy, and then Jesus responds in his own joy, and then Jesus rejoices in the Holy Spirit and just kind of ex, you know, has this moment where he prays to God in, in excitement and joy, and he thanks God for specific things that have happened that God didn't reveal uh, these beautiful mysteries, these things that have been discovered, that he didn't reveal them to the wise and the learned, but instead to the, to the infants to the people, you know, infants had no power in society. They had no status. So thank you that you revealed it to the infants and that you revealed it to people like these disciples, uh, who, again, not people of high status, but here they are, uh, and they are filled with joy. It's important, I think, to remember in the context, when we talk about joy, that uh, joy, it, it does not mean that the absence of suffering. It doesn't mean the absence of difficulty. In fact, we kind of rewind to the beginning of the journey and we see that Jesus has said, look, if you want to find life, you want to follow me, then you're going to have to lay down your own life. You're going to have to 
take up your cross and follow me. So it, he kind of outlines this, this pathway of suffering, this pathway that it's going to be difficult, that the road to glory leads through suffering. And in, it's in the midst of that journey, the journey of suffering, the journey of glory, where Jesus is uh, raised from the dead only after being uh, killed that we begin to see what joy really looks like for the disciples. So again, we, we're on the road with Jesus. We begin to imagine these things and understand these things and go, what is it really like for us to have joy? What does it mean to experience joy as a Christian? And it must mean that somewhere mixed into all of that context is how are we working through the difficulties of life and ministry and how are we discovering joy based on what God is doing in the midst of these difficult circumstances? If you think about it, all ministry uh, is it has this mercy element where it goes into a difficult situation. And it doesn't matter if it's your, you know, your Monday through Friday vocation and you're teaching school or if it's something that you do as a volunteer in the summertime. But each one of these things, usually these pathways that we choose to serve and we talk about going on mission, we're usually talking about vulnerable people. We're talking about people that have needs, that things that we need to try to help. And we know we can't fix the whole problem, but it finds us working in these pockets where we're able to help for that day with someone's hunger. We're able to help for that day with someone's uh, illiteracy. We're able to help that day uh, with someone to just have someone to talk to when they haven't had that all week. And so we, we find ourselves meeting these difficult circumstances. And in the midst of that, uh, like the disciples, we go, oh my goodness, how amazing was that, that the demons submitted in our name. In other words, we, we got into a difficult spot and we brought the light of Jesus and things began to change. Things began to heal. Things, people began to find hope even in the midst of a really difficult circumstance. And so it was natural for the disciples to say, wow, Jesus, when we did stuff in your name, you know, we did stuff according to your purpose. We did stuff in the name of Jesus. Things changed. And even the demons were like, oh, we don't want any part of that. And, and they're just shocked, you know, and they bring that back. And Jesus, he, he pauses, you know, and he celebrates with them. And he says, that's wonderful. And then how the ways we translate it, he says, nevertheless, you know, he's kind of like, this is great. But there's a deeper step. And so he leads them into that deeper step. He says, it's wonderful that the demons submit in my name. It's wonderful that you brought healing to these broken places. And I've given you this authority, but nevertheless, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He's pulling all this biblical imagery from the Old Testament, from the book of Revelation, where there's this, this metaphor of God having a book. The Lamb's book of life, uh, John sees in, in Revelation. That's what he sees. There's this Lamb's book of life. And the names of the faithful are written in the Lamb's book of life, right? The names of those who have come uh, and brought their lives to Jesus, who've laid down our lives, these names are written down. So Jesus says, it's wonderful for all the triumphs in ministry that you experience. But if you really want to rejoice, if you want to find that deeper level of joy, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So it's kind of this brings them back to this bedrock of our of our spirituality. Uh, one of the reasons we got a little bit out of our uh, out of order in our in the preaching schedule is because we did have a baptism today. And I thought this was an appropriate text on the occasion of a special baptism to talk about how we pause and for all the things we rejoice in in ministry that we remember most of all that we rejoice that our names are written 
in heaven. Baptism always brings us back to that point. This is the point where we enter into the community. It doesn't matter where we've been or who we come from, what our first name, our last name is, but there is a name that was given to us by the name that is above all names. And that's the symbol. When we come through baptism, we join the family of God. So we all have the same last name in that respect. Uh, It doesn't matter uh, who we are, what language we speak. We all have the same name under the name that is above all names that triumphs over all the other names that would come against that name. That's the joy that we experience in the common name of Jesus. So we have this experience with the disciples that this victorious God knows our name. This victorious God writes our name in the Lamb's book of life. It's a great scene where Jesus, when he celebrates with them, he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. You know, Jesus is talking about a a vision. This is foreshadowing. He says, look, I've seen how the story ends. All right, at the end of all things, this darkness that seems pervasive, this darkness that every time we bow our heads to pray, we're just flooded with, with images and examples and experiences of darkness. Jesus says, at the end of all things, That darkness and the ruler of darkness will be judged finally, and I saw him fall like lightning. In other words, I see how the story ends, and it does not end well for the devil. It does not end well for darkness, because God will finally judge the darkness and the evil, and we triumph. But Jesus says, in the meantime, we're still battling. We're still fighting against the darkness. So thanks be to God for these moments of triumph, and know how the story ends but we're still contending with the darkness each day. So all the more reason to dig down and remember that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, to remember that our names are written in heaven. And so as we um, participate as a congregation in this baptism, and as we remember our own baptism, we, I've got a few questions just as we consider this idea of, of having our names written in heaven and this moments of discovery, this revelation that is given to us. Um, do, you, do we have this assurance? Do we have this deep assurance that comes by the Holy Spirit that we are, in fact, the children of God? Do we have that assurance? Is that something that we carry with us? Do we wake up in the morning that we can connect with and find and go, okay, I'm remembering. Yes, I'm baptized. I am. I, my name is written in heaven, and uh, so that's that's how I'm starting my day. Do we have that assurance of belonging? Uh, Paul says in Romans eight, he says that our that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. It's this this understanding that something is happening. This miracle is happening as the Spirit of God is communicating with our spirit and communicating this reality that we, in fact, are children of God. Do we have that? You know, have we, do we know that, but we've forgotten it, or have we pressed into that and understood it? Or, or do we have days where you just think, you know, I question that. I don't know. I don't really have that assurance that I am a child of God. That's a conversation that we can have. How does this knowledge of being the children of God, of having our names written in heaven, how does this change us? How does it shape our ministry? How does it shape our uh, cravings for recognition? How does it shape our uh, vision for what it is that we've been called to do? And then finally, uh, are we still in the discovery process? You know, do, can we see ourselves with the disciples going out on these missions and coming back and saying, wow, 
you know, we we were we were a little doubtful that this was going to be a productive enterprise, and and here we are. You know, do we still have those moments? And so it may be a time for us to just open our hands and open our hearts and say, Lord, we welcome all that you would say to us, the reminder that our names have been written in heaven. I think summertime is a great time to, as we, you know, people are on vacation and we're looking at different ways of resting and different ways of working with our families. It's a good time uh, to remember these bedrock things. And so may you have grace uh, as you're here today and as you go from this place to experience that affirmation, that assurance that comes from knowing that our names are written in heaven. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.